0: So, Hebrews is writing to possibly a second generation of of Christians. And remember, now it's that struggle that came out of Judaism to Christianity. And obviously, the environment that they're living in, it's like there's a serious draw to go back to Judaism, a lot of persecution taking place. And so, the writer to the Hebrews is addressing those things. And you and I need to have the right foundation in place, and we have to keep it in place. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. And so often we can start well. We read read the letter of Paul to the Galatians. He said, who bewitched you? You started so well, and then who derailed you? So you and I don't want to be derailed. We want to build our lives on God's word, and we want to keep God's word as the very foundation that we um, are building on. So we read from Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 11. We went on and he was talking about the, you're slow to learn. You should have been teachers already, and um, but you're still needing the, the elementary things to be taught to you. You should be on meat, but you're still only wanting milk. And then in verse 14, he says this, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So it's the consistent applying of God's word that makes you and I stand strong. And you can't keep running on what everybody else is saying. So coming to church is great because you're hearing the word. But you need to be generating faith for yourself from your time in God's word. You need to be falling in love with his word. So he gives teachers, he gives all that kind of thing. But he still, it doesn't take away your and my Reliance on him and reading his word and his word stirring us. So we're picking up from Hebrews chapter 6 this evening. And verse 1 it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. Instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So yeah, he says here, the, we, we're not going to lay these elementary teachings again. That word elementary means basic, straightforward, uncomplicated, plain, and simple. How many of you know, or maybe you don't use that language anymore, but when you're in this age group, when you started school, you went to elementary school. That's right down at the bottom. That's the starting point of everything. And so, anyway, it's the beginning of school. It's a starting point. Now, I heard somebody's going for their, um, their learner's license. So, um, how many of you had some good memories of getting your li- learner's license, your, your license? Good. Here's an interesting thing. When you do your K53, they only teach you the basics. So, they never teach you to ride at speed. They never teach you to ride in the wet. They never teach you how to do emergency stops. They don't teach you how to drive in peak hour traffic in Cape Town. But what they do teach you is all the basics. That if you will keep your following distance correct, if you will travel at the speed recommended, and you will follow all the things that they do teach you, they don't have to teach you to ride at speed because then you will Apply all those things at that speed and you still will be safe. And so this is the basics that will keep you and I grounded. There are a lot of other things that you will learn. But as long as you keep these things as the foundation of your Christian walk, you're going to be learning and adding on to it as you go along, as you learn more. But this is the basics. Keep these things in place and you, you're safe. Is that okay? Good. So it's the same thing that when you go to flying. Flying, they can't teach you everything because so many different things can happen. But they teach you certain things. They teach you how to take off. They teach you how to land. They teach you um, if your engine's out, well, how to handle that thing. They teach you if you stall. Those are all the major important stuff that you need. To, and that's what they drill you on so that one day, hopefully not, but if it ever had to happen, because of what they taught you, you would be able to land the aircraft Hopefully in one piece. So it's all the basics. And that's why keeping our Christian life, the basics in place, is absolutely important. So we're going to talk about the very first one tonight. And I'm going to divide it into two and only deal with the the first part of that one. And it's repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. And so verse 1, it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works um, or um, re- repentance, yeah, the repentance from acts that lead to death is the NIV version. And I think the King James Version says repentance from dead works. So let's talk about tonight repentance. Repentance. In Matthew 3, verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. Thank you, Jesus, the diet has changed since then. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the, Judea, of, of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the, the coming wrath? Verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. With repentance. So, I want to give for your consideration. Repentance is actually a far bigger topic than we think. Repentance plays a far bigger role in our walk with Jesus than maybe we attach to it. Is there anybody here you've not made any mistakes in your life at all? Okay, let's wind it down because life is quite long. If you've been living for 50, 60, 70 years, you, okay. So maybe this week, you've, you've not made a mistake this week. No, don't tell me that. You mean to say you guys messed it up like I did this week? Thank you, Jesus. I feel good now. <laughs> but here's the thing. Repentance is more than just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is necessary. But do I regret what I did? You see, because if I regret what I did, my behavior or my attitude is going to change. And that's the difference. And it's not an emotional decision thing. It's got nothing to do with it. But it it will involve your emotions. Because our emotions are up and down all the time. So we, we don't build our lives on our emotions. But it's going to affect your emotions. When Jesus touches you, there's a regret that rises up on the inside. Don't know whether it's like that with you. I remember the other day coming to church here, and um, there was some crazy driver um, that did some crazy thing, and Shirley was sitting in the back. I know that she wasn't kind of like focused too well, and, and when she saw it, she kind of like screamed, "Ah!" and I got a big fright. Now, how many of you, when you get a big fright, you don't respond all that well? I didn't respond all that well. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, the car was very silent from there till here. And when I stopped over here, I said, Do you want, I want to apologize. I shouldn't have spoken to you and responded and reacted, but I've got a fright. Please forgive me. See, so there's, there, there's some things. So repentance is the core value of Christianity. Do you want to get close to Jesus? Yes? No? Good. Repentance is one key. Repentance. Keeping a short account of the things that we're not hitting the mark. Keep a short account of it. Put it right. Fix it. Quickly. So Jesus is speaking. In Luke 24, verse 45, and he said, Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So part of Christianity is about the preaching of repentance from our sin. Sin is knocking at our door all the time. Before the children of Israel could take Jericho, in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. But what did they have to do first? Consecrate themselves. Peter speaks about the wider body, and, the, and the, the, uh, he's possibly speaking from Rome, and it's a time of great persecution. And he says this in 1 Peter one fourteen: As obedient children, do not conform to the devil's desires you have when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. So, when we come in contact with the Holy God, He is going to touch something in our life. That's not right. Yes? And it all depends. What He touches is going to be depending on how mature you are in Him. So, remember last week I said when we are babies, there's certain behavior that is okay for a baby. Throwing a tantrum, okay, no, that's not a good idea, but let me just use an illustration, okay? If your child throws a tantrum in spa, can you imagine if you're 25 and you're still throwing a tantrum in spa? It's not going to look good. <laughs> so there's certain things in our Christian life, after we've been serving Him for a while, it's not okay to be doing that anymore, and we need to have moved on from that. So the Hollem's Bible, Bible Dictionary says it's repentance, Is a feeling of regret, a changing of the mind, and a turning from sin to God. That's the process. A feeling of regret, a changing of the mind, and then a turning from my sin to God. Repentance is that progress. What's the progress? Regret. Regret. I am sorry that I did this. It's it's kind of like... I'm trying to find some nice words to put in over here. On how regret feels like. It's like that sick feeling on the inside of you. Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Why did I even, why did I open my mouth? That regret. And then it's a change of my mind. I have to start to think differently. I can't keep thinking the same way and expect to behave differently. Because the way I think determines on how I live. So then there's got to be a change of mind, and then that is the turning to God. God, I can't change this on my own. I need your help. I need your help. I need you to help me. So just because I say I'm sorry, it does not mean I've repented. How do I know that? Well, you ask great questions. Let's go to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9, God's taking the children of Israel out of Egypt Into the promised land. But Pharaoh was very stubborn. And he wouldn't let them go. So what happens is. They get to all the different kind of plagues and stuff. And we pick up the story in Exodus 9.27. It says then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned. That's Pharaoh speaking. And he says. And he said to them. The Lord is in the right. And I and my people are in the wrong. What? Is this the same guy? Pray to the Lord for me, for, for we have had enough thunder and hail and I will let you go and don't have to stay any longer. Moses got clever, but he says this. When I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail. So you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Verse 30. But I know that you. And your office, officers still do not fear the Lord God. You see, unrepented sin is continued sin. I might say something, but my behavior doesn't change. In verse 33, we pick it up. Moses left Pharaoh, went out of the city. He spread out his hands towards God. The thunder and the hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his official, uh, officers uh, hardened their heart. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. You see, because I say I'm sorry, it doesn't seem, it's not necessary that my life has changed. So Pharaoh, if he really was repentant, what would he have done? How would he have acted? You see, if there's real repentance, you'll fix what you've done wrong. He would have said, you know what? Here's my army. They They will walk with you right to the Red Sea where you're going. We will protect you. We will give you everything that you need. You need food? You've got it. You need provision? You've got it. That's a repentant heart. Would you agree? Yeah, not just stop the thunder. So repentance takes responsibility for your actions, and then ask yourself the question: What must I do to fix it? You see, words out of my mouth doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't um, means nothing unless it's followed by actions. John the Baptist, Luke three eight, produce fruit. In keeping with repentance. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 7. The background is Paul had to deal with some harsh things. uh, Issues with the Corinthian church. And had to uh, uh, be a bit straight with them. And he says this in 2 Corinthians seven ten. It says godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation. And leaves no regrets. It says but worldly sorrow brings death. See that this godly sorrow has produced in you what earnestness, what uh, earnestness to clear yourself, what indignation, in other words, a righteous anger, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong or of the injured party, but rather that before God. You could see yourself, how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. In other words, Paul is saying, when you got rebuked, you changed everything and you started to live a totally different way. So godly sorrow will produce a change in behavior. Did you notice the day that you gave your life to Jesus and you really meant it? Things changed. So when when, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it, uh, I was in a bad space. And we'll, we'll leave that for another time on uh, maybe giving you a little bit more detail on that one. But I, I went and I found a church. I got saved. That, so Friday, I was in a very bad space. Gave my heart on Sunday. And Monday morning, when I went back to work, it was a totally different basil that was at work. The very things that made me angry and the reactions that I wanted to and, and, and were thinking about doing... We're not there any longer. And they never changed. They kept treating me exactly the same. But my behavior changed in the sense of how I responded to them. And then I knew God is real. Because I was in a bad space when I gave my life. But Monday I realized what I responded to on Sunday was real. And God is real. And he changed. He changed everything. He didn't take away the problem. Problem was still there. They changed the way I saw things and through eyes through which I looked. And that was the evidence of repentance. A godly sorrow will uh, um, starve that ungodly behavior. See, nobody can change us. If we don't want to change, nobody's going to change us. It's you and I that say, I've had enough of this. And it's you and I that turnaround. You see, repentance is a hundred and eighty degree turnaround. So you're walking in this way, you repent, you turn, and you walk away from that thing. And keep walking away from that thing. Never go back there. Never go back there. Never feed that thing again. Remember that lion wants to eat you. And if you keep feeding the lion, the lion's gonna eat you. You keep making the lion stronger. So that's why when you walk away from that thing, that's what repentance is. When I walk away, I'm starting to starve the lion, and he loses his power in my life. There's a TV program, Pensacola. I don't know whether any of you, but it's like in the 80s, somewhere along the line. And it was, Pensacola is all about like an Air Force unit. And um, there was a young fighter pilot training, and there was an area that was cordoned off, where they would do the, all their training. But there was another young pilot that um, kind of like got lost and flew into this no-fly zone area. And anyway, they, him at high speed, this little purpur airplane came through, and well, they managed to miss each other. But the little airplane, kind of like got a fright, got caught up in, the, in the, um, the turbulence, whatever, and crashed, and the occupants died. And it goes through the whole episode, that episode was all about the, the, um, the process of investigation and the humiliation and the twisting of his character and all those things that were taking place. And, he, and he eventually he heard about it, it was a, a young couple that were about to get married um, that were in the airplane that had passed away. He went to the funeral and he felt great remorse and all those things. And then he got a phone call to say that he'd been cleared. And he was no longer Up for manslaughter or whatever the charges were against him. And then an anger rose up on the inside. And he went knocking back on the door. And he he demanded an apology for all the humiliation that he had gone through. Was there repentance there? No. He maybe felt guilty because of what had happened. But you see, if there was real repentance and there was real remorse, it was, you know what, I'm so sorry, and, 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 and uh, I know they said I'm innocent, but how can I help you? How can I, how can I, how can I what can I do for you? I know you've lost someone. You see, that's what repentance does. Repentance softens us. Repentance makes us like, like clay in the hands of the Lord so that he can work in us. Repentance makes you and I into better people. It loses the, 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 the claws of the enemy in our life. Godly remorse does not only operate when I need to be cleared. Godly remorse stays there after I'm cleared. And I walk with a tender heart. Why? So that I can feel with other people that are maybe in the same situation. You see most, most people try and talk to people from their head. I understand. No, you don't understand. But when you start to walk from your heart, it's like you feel, you feel the pain. That's why the gift of mercy is such an amazing gift. And if you, you carry that gift, I thank you for being that merciful person. But that's what repentance is. Repentance is a continued attitude. It's not a single act. So I repented when I gave my life to Jesus. But every time that I've messed up in life, I've had to fix it again. Lord, sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. But if we, And here's the thing we must remember. If you keep playing with sin, sin's going to harden you. And then when the voice of the Lord comes, you're not going to hear it any longer. And then we're in trouble. And God is speaking to us all the time. Don't go there. Don't do that. All of us that have come out of, out of areas that we're not proud of, keep the door closed. Keep yourself closed. And, and, you, and if you're struggling, walk with somebody. That's what I love about Josh Jane. It's that, that we're open to walk with each other. And we don't, we don't paint you because you've fallen. We don't paint you with this paintbrush. that You're useless. You're no good. No. We understand because we were there. If it wasn't for Jesus in my life, I'd be right where you are. But I'm so grateful that Jesus has helped me. And how can I, through what I've learned, how can I help you so we can walk together? Repentance. But you say, what? doesn't matter who walks with you. If you don't want to change, you're going to stay exactly the same. Repentance is to be sorry enough to stop doing it. But the problem is what God requires us to do I don't have the ability to do it. That's why he's got to be part of the picture. He's got to be part of the picture. Have you allowed him? I'm sure that all of us have allowed him to some parts of our life. But have we allowed him to every room in our life? Have we allowed him to come and mess up what I'm trying to keep in order? When I say mess up, it's just a—it's not maybe the right words. You're allowing him maybe to come and put in order what's all messed up in your life, in my life. Sometimes we just need those moments where we just allow God to touch us again. That's why we're gonna go back into worship. And I'm asking you, will you be bold enough to allow him to touch areas in your life that maybe you've been hiding? You see, we want revival. We want the power of God to show up. We want the miracle working power of Jesus to manifest. But you know what? It comes through a clean heart. It comes from a clean heart. So before we go into worship right now, I want to ask one question. Maybe you're sitting over here right now, and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're hearing all these crazy stories, and you're wondering, how do I start? You start by surrendering your life to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can change. it, And if you've never done that, I want a privilege of just praying with you right now. But maybe there's another group of people. Maybe you did one day. But stuff's happened and you become hard in your heart. And, you, and you, you, you know that you're really not walking with Jesus any longer. You talk about him and you're comfortable and you know enough about the word. But you know deep inside your heart. You know what? I don't connect with Jesus anymore. And I believe that's a starting point because God's going to radically change a lot of things. So I want you to ask you be be bold. If that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Or you have. And you know you're not serving God. You've kind of like what you call backslidden. You've gone and become lukewarm. And you want to fix that right now before we go into worship. Is there anybody saying, yes, that's me. Will you put up your hand quickly and just, we want to pray for you. Pray with you. Is there anybody inside us? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Remember, you can't answer for other people. Thank you, sir. You can't answer for other people. You only answer for yourself. Other people will answer for themselves. So forget what people have done to you. Forget what people have said. Forget how people... But ask yourself, what do I need to fix? Because remember, when you fix your things, the peace of Jesus comes. So for all of those that have put up your hand... I want to ask you, I'm sure if you are visiting over here, can you maybe come and talk to Adam or myself? Those are kind of two faces. There are other elders as well. Um, But those are two faces that you've seen and we can help you. And if you are in the church, go and talk to one of the elders. You know them. And let's put things right. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want to ask everybody, will you pray this in faith together with them? You bow your heads right now. Forget about everything else. Will you say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today acknowledging you as the most high God. And I realize I need you. So I invite you, Jesus, to come and take residence in my heart. I give you my life. I declare you are the son of God. And I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. And take my life. Will you help me fix my life, Jesus? I love you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every hand that went up. I'm asking that, Father, the the things that the enemy have done to bring destruction in their life, we break it now by the name of Jesus. We sever every link that every life has connected to darkness. We break it. And in its place, we speak the life of Jesus to come and to change everything. We bless them today. We speak peace upon their life instead of the chaos that's there right now. We speak wholeness over their life instead of brokenness. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. I bless them today. I thank you that they, when they walk out of this place. They will know that they have met with the living God. In Jesus name. Amen. Worship team can I ask you to come up please. Now here is the thing. If you don't let down your gods. If you don't make yourself vulnerable. Nothing will change. So I am asking you now. Forget about everybody else in this room because now it's you and Jesus. And if He wants you to kneel, you kneel. If you feel that you need to lie down in the corner, you go and do that. But I'm asking that you would now worship Him from your heart and allow Him to cleanse you, wash you, because He has a great future for you. The Bible tells me He holds you in the palm of His hand. He says you're the apple of His eye. That means you're special and you're valuable to him in Jesus' name.